Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on, Dodger fans? Hope you're having a great day out there, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast, presented by Fansided and TickPick. This is Kevin Klein speaking. We've got an awesome guest today, and we're thrilled to have him. And just like myself, he's a Cal State Long Beach alum, so that's automatically a W in both our books, because we are the smartest ones out there. Right, Bruce? Welcome to the show, (laughs) Bruce Kuntz. He is known for covering prospects for Dodgers Digest. He also works around the bases for Cal State Long Beach, and I believe you got other ventures as well. So, Bruce, welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm excited to be here with you guys, talk some Dodgers, and like you said, go Beach. So, we're very fortunate because the offseason was a little slow for the Dodgers, and then bam, out of nowhere, we get some news. They've added to their rotation, adding a lefty. It felt like the Dodgers needed to add some type of left-handed presence into the rotation, and they found the Big Maple. James Paxton is coming to Los Angeles. So we'll start with Bruce and then pass it over to Jake Reiner and David Rosenthal, get their thoughts on the Dodgers, adding to the rotation with James Paxton. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I think that um, Paxton fills a lot of what the Dodgers were still needing to um, get some extra innings in the back end of the rotation. Uh, If you look at his season last year in 2023, Coming off of Tommy John surgery, he was really good in the first half of the year. I've got some stats here from um, Paxton through the end of July. He had a 3.34 ERA. Some numbers that looked really good. The fastball velocity wasn't really a concern. Um, and then he, he started dealing with some injury stuff in the second half, fell off a little bit. But I think if he can get back to L.A., stay healthy, and especially for that first part of the season when the Dodgers might not have Walker Buehler back for opening day, try and fill some innings, um, especially if Kershaw ends up coming back mid-season, assuming he'll be there. Uh, that first half of the season, I think, is where they really needed the innings, and Paxton fills that role really well. Beautifully said. Um, David Rosenthal, what are your thoughts on this move? Yeah, I mean, like I, I like it a lot. It, it's, it's clearly a depth move, in my opinion. I, I don't think they're going to count on him for even the postseason, in my opinion. I think they saw what happened in 2021 and 2022, where you're pitching in 2021, you have two starters in the playoffs. And then last year, we know what happened. You, you, you had to get Lance Lynn 
And then the, the rest of the playoff rotation, Kershaw was pitching with a busted shoulder. So I think Friedman has seen enough of that. I think two years of that in a row has, has been enough. So I think, like Bruce said, this is a depth piece. I think Kershaw is going to sign with the Dodgers. Uh, I believe the date's sometime in, in February where he can just sign and go straight to the 60-day DL without having to uh, uh, lose someone on the 40-man. But Paxton's fastball velocity is intriguing. I mean, we know the Dodgers like high-velocity starters. That's kind of what they go for these days. So I like it. Solid. I, I don't want it to cut into Sheehan's starts personally, but if Bueller's on the on the IL, then then sure. Well, it's going to have to cut into Sheehan's starts, but more on that in a second. Jake Reiner, any additional thoughts? Yeah, I love this move. Um, it's nice when you can get a guy like James Paxson and it's not like the uh, the crown jewel of the offseason. It's not like, ooh, we got Noah Syndergaard. Let's see what he can bring to the table. This is like in addition to already having Yamamoto and Glass now. So this is a, a huge uh, depth piece that the Dodgers have needed in the rotation. Um, they're going to need it because Bueller uh, is not going to start the season in the rotation. Glasnow has had injury problems as well. So you're going to need guys like Paxson and Sheehan and Gavin Stone. Those guys are going to have to step up. So it's nice to have like a, a, a veteran at the back end of this rotation throws still throws in the high nineties. So this is a, this is a huge move for the Dodgers and a lefty to that rotation, which they did not have before. Yeah. This is a chess move by the Dodgers. The reality is Emmett Sheehan's not going to throw 200 innings for the Dodgers. Gavin Stowe's not going to throw 200 innings. Bobby Miller might not even throw 200 innings. So if you can insert a guy like James Paxton, at least for the first half of the half, half the season in your rotation, you know that you have a guy, when healthy, who's pretty nasty. We're talking about a five-pitch pitcher, high velocity with the fastball anywhere between 94 and 98 miles per hour, has a pretty nice knuckle curve and a change up to go with a sinker and cutter combo and he's got some good experience under his belt i mean he's 35 the last time he pitched in the postseason was 2019 and you know what team he faced the houston astros who made it to the world series in two starts against houston he had a 216 era so this is at least a guy if depended on because if he is part of the dodgers uh, postseason roster it's mostly likely out of the bullpen and like an Alex Wood or Andrew Heaney role if there are some innings needed I like the move and I was kind of talking about all offseason the Dodgers needed an additional starter preferably a lefty and Paxton checks all those boxes so what are they going to do with Yarbrough now well my honest thoughts on Yarbrough is he's probably a goner as in they're going to trade him or just Cut him all together. No, they need they need him. They're gonna they're gonna trade him. He has no minor league options, and I think the Dodgers are gonna add to their bullpen still with Josh Hader and Stevenson off the board. I expect a reunion with Ryan Brazier pretty much inevitably, and we can go through the Dodgers bullpen in a little bit. There just really is no room for Yarbrough unless a couple guys start on the IL. Well, that's exactly why you have a guy like Yarbrough is for is for that reason so i think they gotta see how they gotta see how spring training shakes out because there's always a few unforeseen injuries there so i think they're gonna hold on to him until they have to get rid of him for for that reason you mentioned yeah like right now the dodgers rotation it's yamamoto glass now bueller potentially miller paxton and then out of the bullpen phillips gratterall joe kelly 
Fire Eisen should have a role. Blake Trinan should be back. I expect Michael Grove to be an innings eater, um, long man, piggyback guy. And then your two lefties are Caleb Ferguson, Alex Vessia, and hopefully Ryan Brazier. And then, of course, waiting in the wings is Daniel Hudson. And so maybe Yarbrough sticks around for spring training, but come opening day, there's no spot for him unless a couple guys go down. I think, honestly, with Yarbrough, looking at, especially once you look past that first month, um, the more the deeper you get into the season with guys like Sheehan and Stone getting starts, I think that's where Yarbrough can really thrive, whether it's picking up, uh, you know, if they have a bunch of games in a row without any off days, just picking up a spot start somewhere or picking, piggybacking off of one of those uh, young guys. I think that he still could have a role as a multi-inning reliever or just plug and play somewhere. But like you said, it could get complicated with the roster spots without any minor league options. Um, I think the deeper you get into the season, the more expendable he might become um, as the depth sort of starts to shake out a little more clearly as to who's going to be able to be relied upon and who isn't. What are your guys' thoughts? What are your guys' Doesn't he have like four years of control left too or something? Yarborough? Yeah. I don't know if it's four, but I don't, yeah, I don't think he's a free agent at the end of next year. I don't know for sure, though. Okay. I mean, I I like him. I hope they keep him. He was solid down the stretch last year. That's for sure. Yeah, he was pretty dominant. Yeah. Yeah, but we have to remember he imploded against the Rockies, and then they didn't trust him enough to put him on the postseason roster. So, I don't think the Dodgers are very high on Ryan Yarbrough. He would have been an excellent depth piece if they didn't sign James Paxton. Now, obviously, James Paxton has a really long history of going on the injured list and very well could get hurt during spring training. They did throw in like a $1 million incentive option for Paxton if he makes the opening day roster, which is kind of interesting, in my opinion, for a major league contract. But I guess there are some signs there that (laughs) Paxton's history just can't be trusted with staying healthy and durable. Yeah, I think there's a difference there between like the Paxton signing and what Yamamoto or I mean uh, Yarbrough's role could be. Um, I think Paxton is a guy you're signing, assuming that when he's healthy, he's going to start every five days. You can just plug him into that rotation and assume that he's taking a start for himself. You don't need to worry about a piggyback or anything like that necessarily with him. Yarbrough, I think, can kind of stay more as a swingman between the bullpen, uh, take some starts here and there, uh, and really be a little bit more reliable. Paxton, I think you can assume he's going to go down with some injuries at some point in the year, same as many of the other guys through the rotation with you know Yamamoto coming over. He's had a great track record of durability, but you don't know exactly what he'll get um, over in the States, new ball, everything like that. Glasnow, obviously, you know, there, Bueller, maybe not starting the year in the rotation. I think that Yarborough still could be very valuable just as a guy that you know and can rely on being healthy and just plugging in wherever he's needed if any of those five guys go down. And Oscar Vargas pointed it out. This is Yarbrough's last year of being under team control. So, Oh, it is? Okay, yeah, yeah, he's a restricted free agent after this season. That makes it simpler to cut him then. <laughs> we know Jake wants Ryan Brazier. I wanted yeah. I wanted Josh Hader. I know he was controversial. We didn't get him. Is there any other relievers you guys are interested in the Dodgers going after, or is it pretty much Ryan Brazier or bust at this point if they were to add to the bullpen? I, I think you could pay Hector know. Neris fifty million dollars. <laughs> I'm good. No thanks. 
Yeah, we've no, already talked about how crowded that bullpen's looking. Um, there's there's a lot of guys in that bullpen that are all going to be major leaguers. So I, I think at this point, Brazier was awesome down the stretch. So if they bring him back, I, I would like that. But other than that, I think that aiming high would probably be the best way. If they feel like they want to go to the trade market and really get like a, a upper echelon type of closer and late inning reliever, then you'll always take that. But in terms of just like filling out the bullpen depth, I feel like that part's already done. The chat knows ball because the trade target is exactly who I'm on board with. Tanner Scott would be amazing. He is also on his last year of control with the Miami Marlins. And because we've got Paxton, I don't think they need to trade for Luzardo at this point anymore. But if they could pull and swing a deal with Tanner Scott, I would love that move. This guy throws 99 miles per hour. He's a lefty that gets out both sides of the plate. I looked at his splits. Um, opposition, both sides hit 190 against him with high K percentages. This guy would be a monster in the Dodgers bullpen. I, I think that with the current landscape of how free agency has been super slow, the Dodgers really are the only team that is that has been aggressive with free agents, uh, minus a few other teams that have picked up a free agent here and a free agent there. You might just want to see what you have come opening day and, and for the first part of the season. See what you have, not only talent-wise, how they gel and all that, but also who's durable, who isn't durable, so then you can kind of reassess and then you can go after a guy like Lusardo at the deadline or a Burns at the deadline, depending on how these other teams shake out. So you don't really need to go out and get another starting pitcher. It would it would be nice because I believe that you can never have too much starting pitching. And for the Dodgers, they always seem to have some sort of freak injury happen. So just want to be better safe than sorry. But the way that the roster looks right now, I mean, how can you be upset with it? It looks it, it looks better than any roster across Major League Baseball. Yeah, I don't know if they need another reliever on free agency. I mean, after Brazier, it looks kind of kind of beat up already. I mean, Anthony Bass, Jesse Chavez, Liam <laughs> Liam Hendricks is there. Uh, Chris Camelo's pounding his fists for Ryan Stanick. Yeah, he's all right, but like such a, that's a, such a Chris want. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't hate it, but at the same time, like I could be totally fine without it. And I think that's the case for pretty much any reliever left on free agency. And for me, even even Ryan Brazier, I mean, $30 million or whatever he might cost for third, someone 36 who might not replicate that magic that he did. It could be another Tyler Anderson situation where he leaves the Dodgers and then goes back to turn, turns into a pumpkin. So I don't know. I, I would let the younger guys like Grove and Kyle Hurt kind of see what they can do. In, in relief specifically. And then, I mean, you kind of banked on Trinan and, and Fire Eisen last year to be healthy this year. So I think they're pretty set up. I, I think Phillips should remain the ninth inning guy and hopefully someone emerges as that fireman, uh, you know, what Blake Trinan used to be before he got hurt. Also, I'm 100% um, on board there. Yeah. I, I think that Hurt and Grove both are going to need to be major leaguers more time than not this year. I think neither of those guys really have much use staying AAA much longer. And so I think both guys might take some spot starts here and there if it's needed, but uh, they both have stuff that will play in the bullpen probably at its best. And uh, just filling out that back end of the rotation there, or the back end of the bullpen, they're both a couple of really nice options that I feel like you could get cheaper, easier with those minor league options as well compared to going out and getting a major league free agent for cheap to get inserted into the back there. I, I just think that 
if they need to get another relief pitcher, if they decide they really want to, then just aim high because you never really would say no to going to get a closer. But I don't think that it's necessarily a need to get anybody else. Speaking of closers, by the way, I don't know how much weight you want to put behind this, but on Dodger Talk last night, Vasse was saying that the Dodgers have checked in on Kenley Jansen with the Red Sox to see if there's a possible reunion there. What do you guys think about that? No. <laughs> I love Kenley Jansen, but like we can't keep doing this. You can't just keep going He's back. He's been good to the though. Well. He was an All Star last year. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I, I hear you, but uh, there's just something I, I just can't do it anymore. I love him. I'll always, I'll always love him. What he did for the Dodgers, but that trust factor, I'm just never gonna get there for me ever. If he's literally a low tier prospect, then the, then why the hell not? But because then you're stuck with him. What happens if he struggles? And that's the same. That's the same thing that goes for if you sign one of these guys. If you give somebody, if you pay a reliever, you're stuck with them. You're gonna have to go through their struggles regardless. Whereas if it's Grove or, or Kyle Hurt and they're not performing, you send them to the minors and you get somebody else up there. And it's not. A, it's not a commitment. If you trade for Kenley Jansen, you're committed to him. And that's what scares well, me. The worst. The worst scenario is you're stuck with him for that one year, and it's just Craig Kimbrell all over again. You leave him off the postseason r- roster because you have what? enough depth. That sounds but awful. The reason you want to go through that. The only again? reason you would trade for a closer, it doesn't even have to be Kenley, is because Evan Phillips is the most valuable when you can use him and leverage him in the seventh or eighth inning as a fireman guy. If you have to just stick and rely on Evan Phillips strictly for the ninth, you kind of limit his upside. So unless someone like Bruce Star Gratterall can emerge and become also a true ninth inning guy, you know, I don't think the Dodgers bullpen is at its best when it's just Evan Phillips as your closer. And Evan Phillips kind of struggled down the stretch last season. A lot of people forget that because the Dodgers were kind of running away with things. But that's just something to take note on. Also, you're kind of pigeonholed a little bit with Kenley Jansen because he can only be a closer and he's not really reliable in any other inning. So if he doesn't do well, what are you going to do? Demote him to the eighth inning? And then what do you do with Phillips? It might be a little bit too complicated. Whereas if you go out and get Ryan Brazier, which I've been talking about since the beginning of time, he is an Evan Phillips type where you can put him in any role in any situation, and it won't cost you any draft capital to get or any, uh, any guy from the farm to get him. I mean, it seems Comment. like the Dodgers... Reunion with your ex is rarely a good idea. That's that we should end it there. That's that's <laughs> he couldn't have said it better myself. All Thank I you, know Jeremy is Ross. The Dodgers have checked in on closers. They were linked to Classe. They were linked to Hater. They have at least done their due diligence in trying to upgrade the bullpen. If they can't, then so be it. They have enough depth right now, and there are some awesome guys in the farm system they can call upon later this year. So no Bruce rush. is the Bruce is the expert here on prospects. So I wanted to get your thoughts, Bruce. Who are some key names to watch out for for the 2024 minor league season? Yeah, I've, I've got a whole slate of names that I would love to go through here with you. Um, first, I want to talk about a few guys that I think have a high probability of debuting next year. Um, and that would be Andy Paez and River Ryan. Uh, both those guys, I think Paez is coming off of a labrum tear that he sustained in his AAA debut last year. Very unfortunate because he opened the season in the first 30 games or so in double A and was just everything that was a weakness about his game from the year before all of a sudden was a strength. I was super, super impressed with him to start last year. Um, And as long as the labrum doesn't turn into an issue, if he can come back 
um, for opening day in AAA healthy, I, I really think that he could wind up being a, a serious contributor to the major league team down the stretch. Um, and the same goes for River Ryan. He's the the one guy out of these crop of right-handed pitching prospects that are up in AAA right now um, that doesn't yet have a 40-man roster spot. But the guy throws 101 miles an hour. And even though he's 25 years old right now, he's younger in terms of pitching development because the Dodgers traded for him only two years ago and converted him to a pitcher after he hit with the Padres. So I think Ryan um, being as, you know, quote unquote young as he is on the pitching development side could, you know, see another explosion of stuff and step forward with the makeup next year to become a quality, quality starter down the stretch for the Dodgers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I think there's a legitimate shot. Andy Pajes takes Manuel Margot's spot pretty quick into the season. They're going to want to give Pajes his at-bats for sure, at least in the first half, get him in a rhythm, get him comfortable. But this is a guy, I agree, who could make a serious push into the Dodgers lineup if all shapes out well in the second half of this 2024 season. Very high-touted prospect, and I'm on board with you there. I don't think it's impossible he winds up being a playoff roster kind of guy that is taking high high leverage playoff at bats because that's the kind of ability Andy Pajas has. If everything works out, if the shoulder isn't an issue, which is an if, you know, you never know with labor injuries, shoulder injuries, if that could affect the power and power is his calling card. He elevates the ball, hits it in the air um, really, really effectively. And that that's going to be the thing to watch. If he still has the power down there in Oklahoma City to start the year, I'd look at midseason as a time to bring him up and make sure he's getting a ton of at-bats against left-handed pitching because that's where he really shines. Um, but then he can also hold his own against righties as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to watch Pajas this year. Any other names that intrigue you? Yeah, uh, I wanted to talk about a couple other guys. Justin Robleski is one that I, I really am going to be watching next year closely. Uh, lefty who was drafted late. Um, in the draft a couple of years ago by the Dodgers because he had just had Tommy John. He came back last year full strength, and by the end of the season, he was touching 98-99 on the gun uh, for Great Lakes. He's got a deep repertoire, nice little cutter, slider, curveball, changeup, um, and he's a guy that he'll go to double-A next year, and I think if everything is working really well, he's already 23 and a half years old. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up getting a couple step, a couple starts in the major leagues by the end of the season if everything is going really, really well. Because I, I was just really impressed with how he did in high A last year, and he he could really explode onto the scene and become a consensus top ten prospect in the season by the middle of the year. Nice. One name that I saw was getting a lot of buzz: Peyton Martin, two four ERA at Rancho last season. Apparently, he is knocking on the door and could be a top 100 prospect some point this season. We got him in a trade, right? No, he he was a draft pick in uh, 2022. He he didn't get drafted till the 17th round, I believe it was. Um, And he was a a shortstop in high school. 
back in, I, I think it's North Carolina, if I'm remembering correctly. Dodgers drafted him, moved him to the mound full time, uh, and he just took off last year. The velocity was there, touching 98 um, on the gun. He, he's a guy that projecting he could wind up hitting triple digits at some point if everything goes right. Super young, just oozing athleticism. And uh, yeah, like you mentioned, Kevin, there's been a, a ton of helium and buzz around his name um, in prospect circles that I've seen online. A lot of people are starting to know the name Peyton Martin. And uh, yeah, I, I think he, he wound up getting limited in innings last year, just something that the Dodgers do. They cut him off pretty early in the season, but getting back in 2024, fully healthy, probably back in Rancho Cucamonga, maybe they send him to Great Lakes to start, but he'll probably wind up pitching a majority of innings in high A, and uh, he could wind up being a top 100 guy by the end of the year, definitely. What's the story with Maddox Bruns? Initially, a lot yeah, of a good lot question. of uh, hype because he was a first-round pick, I believe. Then he struggled immediately, and then it seems like he kind of found himself last season, but still at the lower levels. What can we expect in terms of his progression, and is he going to be a starter? Does he look like he might just be more reliever? Been kind of intrigued with just kind of the up and down roller coaster of his tenure so far. Yeah, Maddox Bruns is the cookie cutter Dodger prospect that they drafted him in the first round because of the ceiling, because the stuff is ridiculous uh, out of the left side. He has a great fastball, great curveball, great slider, um, changeup that isn't quite on the level of the other three pitches, but he's thrown it a little bit. And if he can just figure out how to throw strikes, the ceiling is there to be a middle of the rotation big league starter. But the strike throwing is a big if. He struggled big time with it. Um, in 2022, his first full year as a professional, it, it was ugly at times in Rancho Cucamonga. He came back last year, really, really looked a lot better in single A to start the season, was dominant, was throwing strikes. And then he went up to high A and it started to unravel a little bit again by the end of the year. Uh, I would say in terms of his future, there's still a lot of reliever risk if he can't really find the strike zone a lot more often uh, then he's going to wind up being a relief pitcher but he's still a guy to be excited about because the ceiling is still there all you know you never know when it could click just finding a way to throw strikes more often and locate a little bit more effectively and if he can find a way to do that then all of a sudden he could be a top five prospect in the system pretty fast awesome all right well two things first of all if you're listening right now and you're on youtube Hit that like button. We need the likes so that more people tune in and then they can hit the like button. Second, this is a good question for everyone from Oscar Vargas. Which of Kyle Hurt, Nick Frasso, and Landon Knack would be the best fit for the bullpen? There would definitely be Kyle Hurt, I think. Yeah. Nick Frasso is another guy that down the road, I think, might be uh, might be that he winds up in the bullpen. But Kyle Hurt, you could have him in the bullpen on opening day and feel pretty confident that you're going to get uh, some really nice outings out of him. I, I think that Hurt's best role, um, especially for this coming season and maybe even moving forward in future seasons, is just as a swingman, keep him in a sort of long relief, you know, type of role where he makes multi-inning stints out of the bullpen and just lets that stuff play because the stuff is ridiculous. He'll get the whiffs and everything that you want out of the bullpen. And I am really excited to see him pitch in the majors for a bigger stint next year. So what do you, what do you think Landon Knack's role is going to be? Because we've, we've heard about him for a while. Uh, he's not a young prospect. I believe he's 26 at this point. 
Uh, so it's kind of decision time for the Dodgers and, and Landon Knack's role. So what do you think his future is with the Dodgers? I think with the Dodgers next year, he's going to get some spot starts because that's where he's best suited. I think that his profile as a prospect is backwards from a lot of these Dodger guys we talk about where it's, you know, high ceiling, possible relief floor. Knack is a pretty high probability major league starting pitcher. And that's where he'll get some starts with the Dodgers. It's a little bit harder to forecast exactly what the future is just because if more of those, you know, volatile guys, if they wind up hitting their ceilings, then they would pass up Knack by a little yeah. bit, most likely. But um, Knack is a guy that if he gets his major league footing under him, makes some solid starts between the major leagues and AAA, could wind up being a nice little trade piece at the deadline to go somewhere where he can insert immediately into a starting rotation. But at least for now, he's a, a really nice guy to have in AAA to know that you can rely on as soon as you need a spot start. Uh, at any point in the season. Yeah, that makes sense. I fully expect Nick Ferrasso to make his major league debut as a spot start. Like all Dodgers, it seems like they make their debut in June against the Pirates. So I'm going to circle <laughs> that date. Or, yeah, or the Reds. But Nick Ferrasso shows up, plays the Pirates, calling it now. I also <laughs> think we mentioned him earlier, but Gavin Stone just was too good of a pitcher to kind of be forgotten about. I think last season was an anomaly. He rised through the ranks really, really quick in 2022. And maybe just the the lack of being polished caught up to him. Because in spring training last season, he was just dominant. And then for whatever reason, he got got the yips. But I think with a second professional spring training under his belt, um, I, I'm really expecting Gavin Stone to maybe make somewhere between 10 to 15 major league starts for the Dodgers this season and be efficient and more effective. I agree with you there for sure on Stone. He's another guy that when I talk about Knack being a little bit of a different prototype from many of the guys in the system and being a high probability major league starter, Stone is another one of those guys, and he probably has a ceiling that's even a little bit higher than Knack. Uh, Stone struggled with confidence last year. He lost confidence in his fastball pretty quick into the season in AAA, and then everything unraveled. But they made some adjustments adjustments with him midseason, added a sinker, added a cutter, and then he really started to look like himself a lot more effectively as the season went on. I expect big things from him, uh, splitting time between the major leagues and AAA this year and just looking ahead to the future, whether it's with the Dodgers, whether it's somewhere else after he could get traded, something like that. Gavin Stone's going to be a major leaguer for a while. That changeup's just too good. Yeah. So they'll find a way to make the rest of the arsenal work. Yeah, it seemed like with Stone, like, he, unlike a lot of the Dodgers prospects that, that, that come up, like Ryan Pepio struggled with control. You're talking about Maddox Brun struggling with control. It seemed like Gavin Stone was didn't struggle with control. He was just very hittable. I mean, I just remember that start against the Rays where he just got lit up and it was just everything was in the zone. So at least he has the control. But like you said, he's, he has to have confidence in that fastball and the changeup is just otherworldly. Seemed yeah. like a, just a one-pitch pitcher at that point in his career. I mean, he had confidence in one pitch, it felt like. And even then, it kind of wavered. That's where the adding of the sinker and the cutter was huge midseason. That cutter really turned into a massive third pitch for him. It played a lot better than his slider had um, previously earlier in the year. And the sinker played a ton better than the four-seam did. And I think he was still throwing the four-seam a little bit, even still through the slider a tiny bit too. But uh, just 
for a guy like him, the more looks that he can add, you know, keep the hitter off balance and make sure that that changeup can play to the best of its abilities. As soon as you reach that point, you're set with Gavin Stone. Just make sure that the, that the hitter isn't able to just sit there and guess changeup over and over and over. Give him another look to be worried about, and then you're in the clear. What up, Moose? That guy's awesome. Talk to him all the time on Twitter. <laughs> M- MWG, when is Bueller expected to return? Um, well, he's throwing right now. He's throwing with Bobby Miller just the other day, so he's definitely putting in the work. I think we'll have more clarity on the return for Walker Bueller comes spring training. I mean, if he's starting every fifth day in spring, then I don't see why the Dodgers wouldn't have him in I, the rotation. But I heard that they're going to really slow play him. Yeah, the, Dave play. Roberts made that kind of ominous comment about like, we'll see or something. He said something weird where it sounded like we're not seeing Bueller in April. So I wouldn't. Yeah, it sounds like think the earliest would be May, I yeah. would guess. I think what if they just more start. Early. What if they start Walker Bueller three innings, three or four innings, just to start, ease him in? I don't know if that's worth it. I I think that what it sounds like to me is that it's more of a innings management thing than it is that he's actually still hurt or anything like that. And if they put him in their starting rotation to begin the year, and then you hope he stays healthy throughout the year, then that means you'd be asking for 200 innings out of a guy coming off of Tommy John. And that's just not a smart gamble. So, (laughs) Yeah, Tommy John number two, exactly. I I think that – it makes more sense and it looks like it's what they're going to do to hold him off a month, maybe a month and a half, just get a late start to the year. And then you can put him in a starting rotation, hope he stays healthy through the rest of the year. And then no, he'll still have gas in the tank come October. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think we'll see him in April at all. I agree. And this again, even with the addition of Paxton, I know we've talked about this before, but this makeup of this rotation just screams six man rotation to me. I mean, everybody in this rotation outside of Yamamoto, from to my knowledge, gets hurt a lot. So, you know, I think after you get uh, into May, when let's say Bueller comes back, you're going to have six or seven guys here who are healthy and ready to go. Uh, and some of them aren't going to be able to go to the minors, like Paxton or, or whoever else. So, I don't know. I think they're going to have to go at a six-man rotation at some point. I really do. I'd love it. Any anything to avoid bullpen games, I love it. I think you're good on that this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to like jinx it or anything, but I, I mean, with, it's a long season, David. They they yeah, they'll no. throw a couple in there for you. Yeah, that's the good thing is it would be a great problem to have if we're sitting in June and looking at the roster and saying, hey, there's seven starting pitchers that we need to find innings for. That's a much better problem to have than what we had last year, where all of a sudden there were two or three healthy starters and then everything else was just tough to fill innings. Yeah, I wasn't the only one missing Mitch White last year. It was a group effort this time. You and Mitch White. Who was Mitchy? Who was missing Mitch White? He's not a even lot on of a major league team last year. We when we were we could have used him last year. He could have given us a couple innings. Are you talking about your multiple personality disorder? Is that, <laughs> is that, is that are those all the people you're no, talking about? No. There was other human beings as well who were <laughs> missing him. I seen it on Twitter. People were talking about him. It's funny because the Dodgers could have called up guys like Landon Knack to you know spot start. They chose not to. They could have. They had guys. They just chose not to use them. I was expecting Knack to come out or come up to the major leagues multiple times as we got through. And every time a new starter went down with an injury, I was thinking, oh, now's landed next time. And it really surprised me that he didn't come out, come up uh, last year. But 
He will this year. Have faith. Yeah. Since TQTO8's got a few questions, this one's the most applicable, I think. How confident are you with Gavin Lux's defense at shortstop? Will he ever tap into his 20 homer potential? Well, if he stays on the field, I think he's got a good shot. I mean, that's that is my only concern with Gavin Lux is that he plays. Secondary to that is his defense. Now we've seen him play shortstop, and it's been kind of an adventure. He's made some good plays, and he's the the thing I'm worried about is not so much his range or getting to the ball or fielding it. It's the arm. It's just kind of inaccurate at, at, at times. That's the one thing I'm worried about the most with him. But overall, I just hope he plays because I know if he plays, then he's gonna he's gonna have a great he's gonna have a good season. We've just been waiting for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too concerned, honestly. Uh, I think. Nobody's been working harder since he tore his ACL than Gavin Lux to get back and to, to be the guy. Uh, I mean, ever since that press conference after he tore his ACL, when, you know, he's talking about it's his dream to be the Dodgers starting shortstop. I, I have complete faith that that's he's capable of doing that. I mean, he's been playing baseball at shortstop his entire life. Uh, it's not a new position to him. That is his natural position. So I think it's just strictly a confidence issue. I think in the past, You've seen it with, especially with the throws where it's just completely mental. It's, it has nothing to do with his arm strength or his ability to, to get it there accurately. It's just, sometimes he's had some demons with his throws. Uh, and I think he's at the point in his career where he's finally going to be given the job, uh, not to say he hasn't earned it. Uh, but I, I, again, I have complete, I mean, this is a guy who in 2022, his last full season, uh, when everybody else on the Dodgers was struggling, he was the guy who kept that team afloat for a while. Uh, he, did. he was hitting in the nine. He was hitting in the nine hole, hitting close to 300 before he got hurt uh, with that neck injury. His speed was incredibly valuable. He was getting on base as a pseudo leadoff hitter, hitting ninth, setting the table for one, two, and three. So he's he is a major league capable player at shortstop. There's no doubt about it. I think it's just a level of confidence at this point. Uh, the offense is going to be there, in my opinion. Will he hit 20 home runs? I don't know. He looks pretty fucking jacked to me right now. I think he's been whiff- lifting weights right now. So, yeah, I think he could. I mean, what did he hit, 30-something home runs in AAA? Sure, he could unlock the power. But the Dodgers don't need him to unlock that power. They need him to get on base, which is what he's good at, and set the table for the top three in the lineup. I think he's going to have a great year. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, talking about the defense. I think a lot of the issue has been confidence before – and I think moving back over to shortstop could really help that. Like you said, he you know had been a shortstop all through his life. Then he gets to the major leagues, and all of a sudden he's asked to play second base. Then the throwing issues were kind of yip-like with just forgetting how to throw the ball to first base from second. I think getting back over to shortstop, knowing that that's his job, doesn't have to worry about competition really, anything like that. Uh, if he can just stay healthy, um, we know that the range isn't going to be an issue. It wasn't at second base. It's just about the throwing arm. Yeah. And all he needs is everyday opportunities. And once those reps start throw- flowing in, uh, once he feels confident in the knee, everything like that, I- I'm not too concerned about it. It's exciting. Yep. They were going to give him a job last year. They purposely let Trey Turner walk for Gavin Lux. And I think if he's healthy, he should be a really good contact hitter. I, I think that's where Gavin Lux plays into his strengths. He doesn't have to be a home run hitter. As long as he gets on base, like David said, and he makes contact, 
it's really all you can ask for for someone at the bottom of your batting order. And who knows? He, it. This is what I kind of had a hint. They were going to try to bat him lead off if he was healthy. I think they were going to experiment with that in 2023. Last year? Yeah. They were talking about moving Mookie Betts down in the order. I think they wanted to flirt with the idea of Gavin Lux as a potential leadoff hitter. Now, obviously, all that's out the window, and now it's just about getting Gavin Lux comfortable, so that won't be a scenario for 2024, but he's the type of hitter that, if he's right, he could be a leadoff hitter. It's just a waiting game with him and confidence, like you guys were pointing out. Um, Hall of Fame was announced today. I know David wanted to talk about that, but before we do that, Quick shout out to our sponsor, TickPick. They've been sponsoring us for over a year now. If you don't know what TickPick is, there's no service fees at checkout. So if you're just trying to buy some concert tickets or go to a sporting event, you see the price on the app in the website, that's what you're paying because there's no hidden embedded fees. If you're trying to go to the Super Bowl, if you're trying to go to the um, conference championships games, those ga- those are on TickPick. If you're trying to go to some basketball games or get your Dodger tickets, check out TickPick. It's pretty much the cheapest site out there. They have a great marketing team, and there's some deals on their social media pages. You can find that in our descriptions. So, yeah, give TickPick a chance if you haven't yet. Download the app. I've been using them for the last couple years now. They always come through. You think they have the Korea games on there? (laughs) If they're for sale. I mean, I don't know. Not that I'm going to go. If they're for sale, they are. Okay, good to know. All right. Okay, so hold, hold on. Hold Someone, hold on. Someone just commented, "Gavin Lux is Blake Dewitt 2.0." <laughs> well, no, he's not. Okay, he's not. Blake Dewitt was a flash in the pan, one-hit wonder kind of guy. Gavin Lux is infinitely more skilled and talented than Blake Dewitt. He's had some shitty luck. He's been moved around the diamond because of positional, uh, you know, commitments to Seager or Tur- Trey Turner or whatever. They even moved Gavin Lux to third a couple times, which was a disaster. They moved him to center field and he died. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let him get settled in before you label him Blake DeWitt 2.0. Yes, he's been here a while. Yes, we heard about him in 2019 for the first time. It's been a slow-ass ramp-up, but let's calm down with that. I mean, okay? he's not Blake DeWitt just based on his pure athleticism alone. No, he, he's way better than that. He is a potential all-star in Major League Baseball. <laughs> Blake okay, DeWitt, what a throwback. Well, first off, we have a, a number of questions. We'll get to some of your questions in just a few minutes. We also have super chats now. So if you really want us to answer your question, drop a super chat and we'll really dive into that. What Hall is of that? Fame. You don't know what a super chat is? No. You pay money. Your question gets all cute and lit up. And we'll talk about it because it's going to just be everywhere on the screen because it's a okay, super chat. All right. Well, now now we all know. Yeah. I didn't Hall, know of, Hall of Fame. Adrian Beltre, no doubt about that one got in Joe Maurer. I was excited about him getting in and Todd Helton. Those are your three hall of famers. Billy Wagner missed it by five votes and Gary Sheffield barely missed it as well. Any thoughts on this year's hall of fame class? Well, when we were watching Adrian Beltre play, I, you just knew he was going to be first ballot hall of famer. Uh, just one of the best third basemen of all time, over 400 homers, 3000 hits, endless gold gloves. Um, He never won an MVP, but he did finish second when he's with the Dodgers in 2004, when he hit 48 home runs, that was the only time in his career. He hit more than 40 uh, or got to 40. 
Um, Have you heard of this guy had... named Barry Bonds? Okay. What? <laughs> no, I just was wondering. He was who asking who won. I'm oh, just who messing. won? Uh, I, I probably Barry Bonds. I can't remember who won. It was Barry Bonds before. I can't remember. But um, yeah, just uh, just such a disappointment that we couldn't retain him after he left for the Mariners. And then he, and then I, I, I knew he was with the Rangers for a while, but I didn't realize he was there for eight years. Like that, that's a long time. So he'll, he'll go into the hall of fame as a, as a Ranger. And then quickly Joe Mauer. I thought he was, I thought he's a hall of famer. I, I did not expect him to get in first ballot. So that's awesome. Yeah, that was um, kind of a surprise. Just a ridiculous catcher in our era. Um, one of the best. And then uh, Todd Helton. I mean, he, you know, say what you want about Coors Field. I mean, you still got to hit the ball. And he mashed for a long time in Colorado. Got them to their first pennant. Uh, again, Gold Glover, All-Star, all of that stuff. Um, he had like a stretch where he hit, he had like a thousand OPS over like a five-year stretch, which is just insane. Um, so I, I, I agree with all of these decisions. Now, the two guys that kind of were on the fringe that, you know, may or may not. I mean, Billy Wagner is kind of that guy where you could make an argument that he could be a Hall of Famer. And then obviously Gary Sheffield. But I think anybody connected to the Mitchell Reporter steroids, they're, they're, it's a long shot. It's just not going to happen. Although David Ortiz kind of skated by there a little bit. Yeah, fan yeah. favorite. So I guess if you were just like cool and, and nice and everybody loved you, you're good. But if you were kind of an asshole like Barry Bonds and Gary Sheffield, tough, tough, tough sledding. Tough sledding. The power of public perception. Ryan. No, I mean, I think they got it right, honestly. I mean, uh, Billy Wagner, to me, should be in. I think he will get in eventually, but I, I'm Last year is his last this. chance. Ne you mean next year? Yeah, next year is his last chance. Yeah, I think that's another weird thing that I don't really like about the Hall of Fame is, like, people won't vote for people because they have years left. They're like, ah, we'll, we'll get him in later. It's like, what? what why? <laughs> if someone's a Hall of Famer, just vote for him. Like, why does someone have – and another thing that pisses me off while we're here is when some – I saw some asshole vote for Todd Helton last year and then this year didn't vote for him. They, and he published the ballot. What did Todd Helton do from this from last year to now to not get your vote? Is he still playing? Did he have a shitty year last year? Makes absolutely no sense to me. The Hall of Fame voting process is insane to me. Yeah, the goalposts should not be moving. That's ridiculous to imagine voting for him last year and then not this year. That there's no explanation. Like I would, if you're gonna do that, you need a full explanation of why the hell he is not on your ballot this year and he was last year. Well, let me ask you this: Could could a player that maybe initially you think that not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but maybe over time you kind of think about them maybe in a different light, or their numbers become a little bit more impressive over time, like Billy Wagner, for example. Uh, Todd Helton, it took a it took a while for him to get in. You know, these numbers tend to look better over time. I don't know if it goes the other way too, where it's like at the beginning you think that a guy's a Hall of Famer, and then you give it a little bit more thought and you decide maybe not. Like like Mark Burley. What? Like Mark, Mark Burley, Burley is not a Hall of Famer. No, but he keeps getting votes every year. Yeah, I don't know how people, there there are some people that are, where I'm just like why why are you wasting a vote too like I think three people voted for LT Ton this year saw that Adrian and nobody Gonzalez. voted for James Shields not one good well James Shields has no place near a Hall of Fame well he was on the ballot 
Well, James Shields will be in the Hall of Fame on the plaque of Fernando Tatis saying yeah. that that's who he's trading for. <laughs> <laughs> Although, who knows if he gets in now? Yeah. Not that he, obviously, he's got a long way to go on the field, but let's say he, he does. Who knows if he gets in after his uh, ringworm fiasco? <laughs> I'm just happy Joe Maurer got in. I think people forget how elite he was. Two time batting champion, won an MVP. Like as a catcher, the numbers he was putting up are insane, and he was good defensively. Up with, up there with Buster Posey as probably the top two in their prime of that particular era, top two catchers for a short window. So well deserved for Joe Maurer, and I mean my memories with Adrian Beltre, just that 2004 season, what an insane year he had. Like that is the ultimate contract year magic. It's kind of a shame that the Dodgers weren't able to find a third baseman ever even close to his ceiling. But thankfully, 10 years later, they got Justin Turner and things turned around. No pun intended. Yeah, it was uh, it was bleak there for a good decade. It was. Casey Blake, Blake was a nice filler, but he, he wasn't. Yeah, Casey him. Blake was nice. I mean, you know, Juan Uribe was nice for a minute, although the majority of his contract wasn't great. But they had yeah. like guys like you know uh, Norhiro Nakamura, you know, <laughs> like that was like forty games. No, I know, but I'm just saying that they they tried literally everybody. Uh, Jose Valentin, I mean, they tried everybody. Yes, Laroche played a little third, right? Yeah, Blake a DeWitt. little, as in like a little, little. Yeah, and Luis Cruz. Games. Luis Cruz had his. Oh, Luis Trace Thompson, another flash in the pan. Literally a Trace Thompson like career where electric in 2012, I guess, and then 2013 couldn't hit a lick. Got DFA'd. Could not hit a lick. <laughs> Nakamura was bad though, so bad. One of the worst hype around him. Too, one of the I worst remember. careers ever for a Dodger, in my opinion. He was like right. he, soon after Beltray left. I feel. Yeah. All right, everyone in the chat, prepare your best questions right now. We're near the back end of the show, so start dropping in your top questions. I'm going to ask everyone here on the show, and if you want to participate in the chat too, I want to hear a couple 2024 predictions. I don't care how crazy they are. Just give me a couple predictions. Who wants to go yeah. first? Uh, I'll start. Um, I, I The first thing that popped into my mind when I started thinking predictions was, first of all, Yoshinobu Yamamoto is going to win Rookie of the Year. Second of all, I think he gets at least votes in the first place, second place, third place range uh, for Cy Young. So I, I'm really expecting big things from him this year, and I think the Rookie of the Year is his. I like that. Hell yeah. Bold, but kind of safe also. Yeah, somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. All right, we're going we're gonna to pause there because I told you Moose is the man. He dropped a super chat, our first one ever. Thank you, Moose. You are awesome. Do you guys think there's a last trade happening before spring training or are we staying put? Um, hmm. I'm trying to think like what it would be for. I mean, like we discussed earlier, I think maybe a reliever trade possibly. Um, I, I think they're done uh, uh, position player wise. I think they're done uh, and starting pitching wise. I think they're done too. So I think it would, if there's anything, it, it would be, for like a Tanner Scott type reliever, yeah. I think there's one low-key move that could come. I'm still having a hard time seeing a path for Manuel Margot. So if they are able to find someone that wants to take him on, 
so that they can free up room for maybe Kike Hernandez is still out there. Now it's seeming like it's unlikely they bring him back, but if the Dodgers are able to upgrade Margot with Kike Hernandez, like why the hell wouldn't you take that opportunity? If you get a little interest in Margot. Hey man, that's Andy. That's Andy Paz's spot. <laughs> yes. Andy Paz is going to sh- come up, but he's not going to make the team right away. Not quite no, yet. Yeah, no. I was uh, I was kind of surprised that they held on to Margot and that there it looks like there are plans to keep him at least for now because that mean that meant that Kike Hernandez was likely not joining the team. But I'm with Kevin. I would rather have Kike on the roster than Margot. Now, Margot's a great defender, but he's not a great hitter. And you know where and you know what Kike can do. And I don't know. I just feel like we let him go once. And the one time we bring him back, he was the one of the only bright spots of that postseason last year. And I just mm-hmm. I I I like to hold on to those things. If Kike goes to the Angels, I'm going to be sick because what a waste of a clutch player, because that's the only team I'm hearing that has any interest in him. Yeah, and then in terms just... of in terms of like actual needle needle movers, I still think the Dodgers are talking to teams about a reliever. I mentioned Tanner Scott. I really think that's a great fit. Do they really want to bank on Alex Fessia and Caleb Ferguson as their two high leverage lefties? I don't know. I wouldn't it's too unpredictable if I was the Dodgers. With those it's too unpredictable with those two. Yeah, exactly. They could trade for they're gonna they could trade for who knows what reliever, but there's gonna be a lot of guys out there. Teams like the Marlins, the Pirates, who claim they're contending. Bullshit. Um, when did they ever claim that? Just the other day when they announced Araldis Chapman. I don't know if they claim that. I think they're just trying to their owners something. said it, but it yeah. he he says it and then doesn't spend <laughs> much. That's <laughs> not that you can't just words, say that. Words only mean so much. Yeah, like come on. I, it seems like it seems like the Chapman move and like I don't know, I saw today the Nationals got Joey Gallo. I feel like those yeah. moves are are like Let's see if these guys can have a resurgence and be great so that when our team is shit in the middle of the year, we can trade them. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think Chapman, that's, they signed Chapman to trade them. It's so obvious. I think that's honestly not a bad strategy for teams who are bad at development and bad at, at drafting is to sign these guys on a one-year deal, hope they play well, and then trade them for prospect for someone else's good prospects at the deadline. I kind of respect it. If you're going to suck, at least do that and try to get some young guys out of it. And Justin Sutterfield bringing up Devin Williams. If he come, if he becomes available, I would lose my mind. Give me that guy. Yeah, that's. I think looking at circling back to this trade idea, if the Dodgers are going to go make another trade, I, I don't think they will. If it were to happen, though, I think that it would definitely be for a top relief pitcher. That's really the only place that I could really point out and say, hey, they could use somebody there. It yeah. seems like every other place of the roster is completely full. At this it's, point, so whether easier. it's Devin Williams, somehow they were to pry away Emmanuel Classe, uh, Scott from the Marlins, like it, it would have to be a real needle moving. It's situation. easier to trade for high leverage guys now than it is at the deadline when there's more teams involved. Yeah, but all teams are also less willing to do it now than they are at the deadline. Yeah, and that also gives you a chance to, like we talked about, about Scott. You can go into the season, see what Vesia and Ferguson bring. You've also got guys like Alec Gamboa in AAA that could come up as left-handed relievers um, if need be. And then you can reevaluate at the trade deadline and feel more confident in your evaluation of Ferguson and Vesia and whether you can rely on them heading into October. 
All right. So we got a lot of predictions in the chat. I'll get to those in a minute. Um, I, I know I interrupted. So who wants to go next with any prediction they have for 2024? Go ahead, Jake. I saw it on the I saw it on the chat. I want I want to make it clear that I had that I, I had this locked and loaded before I saw it on the chat. Yes. So just hold your horses there. But I was going to say, uh, Gavin Lux, if he's healthy, I'm thinking he's in. I think he's going to be an all star. Hell yeah! All right, you that's and it. M- that's all you have. MWG. That was the one I had loaded, but I I, I stopped thinking about it because we had the super chat. It threw me off, so maybe okay. come back. Yeah, around. true. That was a pretty hype super chat. Okay, yeah. so my two predictions, I'll give my American League one first. The Tigers are going to win that division. That division is ass. The White Sox <laughs> are bad. The Twins are bad. The Guardians can't keep doing this with no free agents ever. It's the Tigers' time. They have a good ton of good young prospects who are now – Played last year and more coming up. I like that Colt Keith guy. I'm sure Bruce knows him. I like him a lot. Uh, they're going to win that division. It's just the state of Michigan's world this year, and we're living in it. Looking at that Tigers team, man, do I wish that they drafted Wyatt Langford. I, I still don't understand yeah. why they drafted Max Clark there. Yep. I, I mean, Clark could be great, sure, but Langford was a surefire practically, and you know he got to Texas, and now we've seen how that that's going. I mean, if when we look at that Tigers team right now, if they were able to plug Langford in to a corner outfield spot heading into next year, man, would that be awesome. Yep, now Tigers are going to get him and Carter together. Okay, my Dodgers prediction is that this team will break the single-season home run record as a team. Uh, I believe it's 307 from the Braves, either last year or, the 20, or 2022. Dodgers are going to break that this year. Love it. Otani's going to hit over 50. Uh, Betts will get to 30-something. Freddie Freeman will get to 30-something. Smith will get to 30-something. Everybody's going to be hitting a ton of home runs. Muncie? To Oscar. To Oscar, Muncie. All these guys are 20-plus home runs. All of them. That's a good prediction. Thank you. It's not impossible. Mine are a little more simple. I'll save my MLB ones later on when we get in spring training. But Yamamoto is going to throw a no-hitter. I've got that. And Freddie Freeman will break his... Dodgers personal RBI career high, which was 102. He's going to surpass that in year three with the Dodgers and drive in more than 102 Dodgers. Any Can't other predictions? Any other predictions? Otherwise, I'm just going to read off some of these things we've got. I'm the other one that I the other one that oh. I had written down was we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I think Andy Pajes winds up making the postseason roster. We already talked about him like three times yeah. on this podcast, but man, I'm up on this guy. It feels like he's not talked about enough. I think prospect fatigue has hit him hard just with how long he's been a you know top guy in the system, but can't be overlooked. I think he'll be on the postseason roster. Yeah, I mean Miguel Vargas has really fallen off. Like, where does he fit into the equation? Would you just trade Vargas for Tanner Scott? I feel like that's a fair trade. The good thing about Vargas is even if he winds up getting sent to AAA to start the year, if any injury happens, if it's in the infield or left field, God forbid anything happens to Otani at DH, in order to um, to have a guy like Vargas to just bring up from AAA and plug into the lineup, he could play every day. Yeah. I think that's still very valuable to have and better than most teams have as a 10th bat agreed i ambiguous gavin lux comeback player of the year low 17s hernandez 40 plus home runs 
Larry Partridge. I, I think, I don't know if this is combined or each, but Yamamoto and Glass now win 30 games. I'm guessing that's combined. Gotta be combined. One of nine <laughs> wins. What do you mean? <laughs> Jeremy Ross, 109 wins. Glass now wins the Cy Young. Kaylee, Glass now Cy Young. Dennis Gonzalez, Bueller bounces back strong and competes with Yoshi for Cy Young. Um, Doyers win 120 games from MWG. Ryan, Mookie goes off, motivated to outperform Otani. Uh, question from Janello Kitty. Are you all going to Dodger Fest? Yes, for me, I have my tickets. I will be there. Come meet and greet me. I will say hi to anyone. I'll wear my Klein 25 jersey so you can find me. <laughs> uh, I'm not going. I don't know when it is, so I'm probably... I think it's know, sold but... out, David. Okay, then I'm not going. Yeah, me, me neither. How much was it, Well, Kevin? do they sell tickets on TickPick? Ten bucks, and they released more tickets today. Okay, so maybe I will go. When is it? Uh, Saturday, February 3rd. All right. It's a little soon, but I'm a maybe. Soft TBD. Maybe. Yeah. Kind of a question from Greg Kuntz. Maybe he's related to Bruce. That would be my dad. <laughs> Game seven of the World Series. One run. Heading into the seventh inning. How's the bullpen going to finish the job? Well, Bruce, I think you should start it off. Yeah, Game 7 of the World Series, looking ahead there. I'm going to just go off the deep end of bold predictions, and I'm going to say by then, Devin Williams is a Dodger, and he's the one closing note. All right. Damn. Love it. Well, with the guy, with the guys we have now, I'm going to – well, I'm going to say – actually, I'm going to say – I'm going to say we get Ryan Brazier. Oh, my and, God. Uh, <laughs> what? Brazier pitching Nothing. the seventh in Game yeah, 7. Yeah, is Brazier closing it out for us in the World Series now? Uh, yeah, I guess well, I – I okay. missed the seventh inning part, so you need to piece a, a little bit more than Devin Williams, but uh, if Williams covers the final two and then you've got Evan Phillips in the seventh, that's fine. The too. question said we're going into the seventh inning, so I'm I'm setting it up here. Okay, sorry. I also thought it was ninth inning. Go okay. ahead. Well, I think I think I think it's gonna be Evan Phillips closing it out for, for the World Series win and some combination of Brazier and Gratterall gets us there. I yeah. do think they, they make a trade at some point. I don't know who it's going to be for. I think it'll be midseason again, and it'll just be some guy that we all don't expect to be traded for, and then we get him, and then he's great, uh, like Chris Martin type stuff. So I think that guy's going to be involved. And I think Gratterall had an incredibly underrated year last year. I think he was maybe the – you know him and Phillips were the two best pitchers on the team, obviously – but I don't think he got enough love. And I think this year he's even going to be better than he was last year. And like Kevin said, I think he will be able to step into that closer role if needed. So it's going to be Phillips and Gratterall at the back end, unless they pull off some kind of Devin Williams or Bednar trade or something like that. I would not sleep on JP Fireisen. If he is healthy, which he should be because he took all of last year off, his last full season. Interesting way to phrase it, but yeah. Because he was recovering from injuries, obviously. But <laughs> Just I also think. Couch. But I, when he was with his last team, which the Brewers, right? He had a Rays, right? Rays. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Brewers to Rays. With the Rays, he had a ridiculous low ERA. 
Little zero. Ones. Zero. Zero. Thank yeah. He didn't give up and earn a run that year. Yeah. Twenty one innings. Season, but, yeah. yeah, like twenty one innings, no runs. If he can get back, like this is a similar thing with bringing in Corey Knable when they got him healthy, turned him into a high leverage arm. Same story could be written with Fire Eisen. So I'm high on him. I think Fire Eisen, Phillips, and then Gradrol right now, those are your three guys that could seal the deal for the final nine outs. A lot of people sleeping on the vessel coming back also. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people Trying sleeping him. on him. Haven't heard a lot of Trinan talk. Uh, Justin Sutterfield said Kershaw closes out game seven for the Hollywood finish. Not even funny. Is that Dave Roberts burner account? I'm sure Dave would love that, but I not, really, man, not, I'd love it too, but that would require a lot of great things to happen. Uh, and also, and also a massive lead. Yeah. 20 run lead. Yeah, sure. Get <laughs> yeah. his ass out there. This seems like a very Bruce like question coming from Michael Kubica Kubica's. Uh, do you, you guys think this front office has had a problem drafting hitters that pan out? It seems like all our recent successful hitters were drafted during the Ned Coletti era. That's a good question. I, I don't think so necessarily. We, we just The Dodgers just traded away Michael Bush to the Cubs, and he's going to be a productive major leaguer for a long time. I still have a lot of faith in Miguel Vargas doing the same. He's not a draft guy, but um, just talking in general about the hitting development in the organization – Baseball America just had a um, article earlier in the offseason where they named the uh, analytically top 10 uh, organizations in terms of analytical development in hitting and pitching. The Dodgers were near the top of both lists. So I, I think that uh, Gavin Lux is another guy, 2017 draft. I have a lot of faith that he'll be back in the major leagues doing well this year. So even though we haven't had a Bellinger Seeger necessarily in a little bit, uh, Will Smith. Those guys will continue to come. Will Smith's worked out. Yeah, yeah, James, definitely. James Outman, he's looking pretty good. It, and it, it doesn't it is, have to be top round picks, like you said. James Outman, I believe, a seventh rounder, if I'm remembering that mm-hmm. right, out of Sac State. Like that, this front office just takes guys, whether it's the top of the draft, middle of the draft, back end of the draft, and turns them into productive major leaguers. And it's not going to happen for every guy, and never will. That's the reality of baseball, but this front office does as good of a job as any of making it happen for enough guys to make a good major league roster. This is funny. Los 17s. Whatever happened with Cody Hosey? I actually wanted there, to hear his response to this because I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go on the flip side of when we talk about it's never a guarantee. Cody Hosey is the example of that. He's still plugging away in double-A ball, and uh, he actually was a little bit better last year, but that's in comparison to his previous years where it was dreadful. So uh, I, I think as of now, he's still in the organization. He might make it to AAA this year if they just want to give him one last shot to make an epiphany and suddenly be able to hit professional pitching. But as of now, we haven't really seen much proof of it. Tough scene for young he was Cody. So hyped. I mean, they, they hyped the shit out of him. He was talked about as the Justin Turner successor when they drafted him. That's what I remember. That's what I remember thinking he was, and it just hasn't really worked out. I think he's 26 now, and he hasn't reached AAA yet. Yeah. Win some, you lose some. Brutal. Just brutal for poor Cody. I'm we did a, we did a... We could have had Gunnar Henderson about 20 picks later. 
Yep. That's so. that's one that is haunting for sure. Um, they were waiting for Daniel Espino, the uh, now top pitching prospect for the Guardians as well, and he got taken, I believe, the pick before that they were going to take him in that spot and then wound up with Hosey. It's a, it's a tough scene looking back on that draft right now. Yeah, it's people forget the baseball draft is so not like the NFL or the NBA where these guys have bodies of work and that translates pretty much immediately. So it's, you know, it's while we look at it and like, Oh shit, we could have Gunnar Henderson. Obviously in the moment, it's not that simple. So every, every single pick, every single signing is just a massive gamble yeah. and you hope more pay off than not, but you'll never get every single one to work out. That's for sure. All right. We're near the end of the show. Is there anything else you guys wanted to cover real quick chat? If you had any final questions, drop them in now or near the end. I had a I had a question for Bruce real quick. So two guys I'd like to get your opinion on. One is the first round pick Kendall George. Uh, from what I've seen, he is pretty much just a contact hitter kind of speed guy. So I'm interested to see what you think he could turn into. Not that he will, but what what is his potential in major leagues? And then my favorite prospect in the Dodgers system is DePaula. So what is your thoughts on him? Uh, obviously both are super young. I think they're both 18 or, or 19. Um, but DePaula from everything I've seen looks like he could be the real deal. Uh, and I've seen, he's been hanging out with Ellie De La Cruz and, and, and Randy Arena, which just makes it even more exciting for me. Uh, so what are your thoughts on those guys? Yeah. Um, I'll start with Kendall George. He was a bit of a surprise getting taken in the first round last yeah. year, but I think when you look at it, it was mostly just so that they could sign him below slot, have more money for the rest of the draft. So I wouldn't necessarily cut caught up with the idea of him being a first round pick. That said, I do really think that Kendall George has a chance to turn into a really nice major leaguer. He's an 80 grade runner, which means top of professional baseball. He's as fast as almost anybody. So that plays and there's not going to be any slumping there. I, I think he's a really good defender in center field. He'll stick out there. And the contact quality, as well as his um, plate discipline, he makes contact, doesn't whiff, and his plate discipline is really good. So I think the groundwork is there to turn into a productive major leaguer, even if he's a 5 to 10 home runs a season guy. He's yeah. never going to be a, you know, launch him and 20 home runs, anything like that. But there's still a possibility for a, a nice major league player there. Uh, as for Josue DePaulo, He's the guy that I could talk for 30 minutes about because yeah. I'm so excited about Josue De Paula. Uh, he hits the heck out of the ball. The raw power is massive. The contact ability is massive. There really is nothing to not like about his offensive game. The defense, there's varying reports. A lot of them are pretty negative. So it might wind up being that De Paula is a, you know, I, I've seen Jordan Alvarez comps thrown around for him as an overall player. It might be that the defense winds up like Jordan, where he can maybe play left field, but is best suited for DH. But either way, what we're focused on here is the bat. He got to single A last year, having skipped rookie ball in Arizona and didn't struggle really that bad at all. The power didn't show through totally, but that's something that you can have faith will come as time goes on. But for a guy as an 18 year old to show up to single A and run the strikeout and walk rates that he did is really not often doesn't happen often yeah. so he's a special talent and I, I can't wait to see him play this year and as that power starts to show through he could absolutely skyrocket up prospect boards there's a few that he's already on top 100 lists and 
by the end of 2024, if everything goes according to plan with him reaching high A and nothing goes wrong, then he's going to be on every single top 100 list, possibly in the top 50s. Yep. Nice. Good insight. All right. Let's see what I got to do here first. <clears throat> I'm going to share this link. The Incline Awards, I am closing the voting in just a little over a week. So I just dropped the link. Get those votes in, and then we'll announce the winners. Very tight race, so vote for your favorite Dodgers and moments. Quick survey. You'll have a fun time. Um, my final rant, can we just go one year without hearing from Anthony Rendon? I am getting so <laughs> the worst sick comment. of this guy. Has there ever been a baseball player that's gone from so likable to so unlikable in a snap like that than Anthony Rayone? 200 games over his last four years since suiting up for the Angels. And here's a guy, Hollywood lifestyle, like Justin is saying, who's complaining about baseball being too long. What are you doing, Anthony? You complained about Hollywood. You've complained about not speaking, knowing espanol or english whatever the f it was and now you're complaining that baseball is too long he also paid... tried to fight a fan last year don't forget that he, he, that's yeah. a good point you're paid yeah. the big bucks to go out there on the field and play and here you are just sitting at home watching otani from your tv and now he's gone embarrassing yeah, get get on the field anthony play baseball let's i mean play 10 games. I mean, I know he wants the season to be shorter, but what? how short? Because for Anthony Rendon's standards, that would be like a 30 to 60 game season. Yeah, I mean, the thing with him is I'm, I'm sure there are other major league players that agree with that sentiment of wanting the season to be shortened, but he is the absolute worst possible yeah. messenger to deliver <laughs> that, that they could have chosen any major leaguer to say that. Any other guy would have been better than Rendon because that's just ridiculous to come out of his mouth. There was an article that came out or, or something that he said right before he hit free agency, and he literally said, I don't watch baseball. I think it's boring. And that was the biggest red flag ever for a pending free agent. It was very clear he just does not like it. And I said it then that I didn't want the Dodgers to sign him. And I, th I think I've never been more right about anything in my entire <laughs> life than I was that. Uh, because holy shit, what a disaster that contract is. I don't even know how many more years it has left, but one of the Too worst crazy. in Major League. One of the worst in history. And there's he has no redeemable qualities. None. He wasn't nice. He won the title in 19 and then went to the Angels, right? Yes. Won the title in 19, contract year. Him and Strasburg were both free agents and were disasters. At least Strasburg, like, tried. Like, he he basically died for that franchise. Like, he, <laughs> his, his arm is dead because he, he left it all on the field. He died. He won. He won. He was the World Series MVP, right? Yep. And yeah, won that so. car. And then that was it for him. And Rendon is just the complete... No, nothing redeemable about him at all. Nothing. I'm with glad you. you brought that up. It's it's been uncomfortable every time that somebody puts a microphone in front of him. I, I just I'm I'm close to muting his name on my Twitter timeline because I, <laughs> I don't want to see it anymore. Per perfect match for Artie Moreno. Just perfect. <laughs> 
These are the final three questions. We'll just do power ones real quick. So this one's for David. Coming from Big, who I think came in late. Do you think the Dodgers go with a six-man rotation? Uh, yes, eventually. Not to start the year, but I think middle of the season, you'll see it. From Kaylee. Let me pop that one up. Which Dodgers prospect do you think is most likely to be traded either now or at the deadline? Probably Vargas, right? If you count him as a prospect still, he graduated, but it does make sense to still yeah. think of him under that. Graduated, umbrella. Jake. He's got a diploma now. <laughs> uh, sorry, my bad. No, you're good. It, um, I mean, he hasn't proven anything at the major league level, so he still falls under that umbrella seemingly. I think the guy that I would say right now might be Landon Knack, and that's not, not a knack on Knack, but uh, – he just doesn't have necessarily the future with the Dodgers that I think some of these other guys might have with the higher ceilings. He could get passed up and it might be best for him and his career to go somewhere else, similar to the Michael Bush situation where, you know, Bush is going to be a productive major leaguer for a long time. I think Landon Knack, the same thing. And I hope the Dodgers find a way to hold on to him, but it might be, might wind up with the situation where he gets traded to go to another team and immediately be a starter. If, if there's just no room for River Ryan, he seems like a commodity that they might have to flip at the deadline just by demand. So, Oh, you better be getting someone good. Yeah, you think we're going to train it for Lance Lynn? No, we're going to train well, it for someone good. Well, that's that's not how the deadline works. The deadline, you always have to overpay. Uh, right. River Ryan is good, so we, that would be overpaying. They traded Nestrini last year for Lance exactly, Lynn. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. That was an overpay. Yeah, that that's surprised what... me when it happened. I, I didn't expect it at all. Yeah. Well, that's so, why River Ryan, I'm going with him. He's a really good pitcher, and I'm worried there's no room for him. There's, there's going to no be rush. There's going to have to be guys that are excluded. That's kind of the reality of it. There's too mm -hmm. many talented, especially for right handed pitchers. There's too many yeah. talented guys right now that are about to reach the majors. So, yeah. Yeah. Hurt. We already talked about Hurt, Frosso, Knack three guys that deserve to be at the MLB level throughout this season. It's crazy. They have the, they did a really good job of trading and drafting. How did they get him for Matt Beatty? <laughs> I, I think that you can look back at that and just assume that the Padres had no idea what kind of potential he had on the mound because I, I think from what I've read, it sounded like that Ryan, when he was about to get drafted, because he was a two-way player in college, yeah. it sounded like he told organizations he preferred to be a hitter Padres drafted him as a hitter, and he wasn't bad to start in rookie ball for the Padres, but then the Dodgers said, we like you as a pitcher, scooped him up on the trade market, said you're going to be a pitcher, and it's working out for both parties so far. Sure is. Oscar Vargas, which prospects will have a bounce-back season? Uh, did Gavin Stone graduate? No, he did not. So there's my guy. I like it. Are we all giving them? I mean, you all, you all have to. We can go Cartaya. Sure. Yeah, Cartaya is a great one too. I like it. I don't care that he graduated. I'm taking Gavin Lux. He's still a prospect in my mind. <laughs> no way. He's not even. He's not even eligible to be a rookie. Is he? Don't care. No, of course he's not eligible to be a rookie. He debuted in 2019. I know. Five years removed. It's my bounce back. <laughs> he's a vet at this point. He's one of the longer tenure Dodgers. That's now. my bounce back, Kevin. <laughs> Prospect. Okay. 
I have um, to agree on Kartaya. I like it. I think that Kartaya's still got a ton of talent and with some adjustments at the plate. He'll be go he'll be okay. And the last question, and then if you guys have anything else you want to throw out, go for it. Ryan, bigger weakness, bullpen or infield defense? It's definitely infield defense minus Freddie Freeman. Like yep. That's yep. pretty clear to me. The bullpen is actually pretty solid because we were bringing back a majority of the guys we had last season and they were all great. But Max Muncie and Gavin Lux on the left side and Mookie is great at second base. But those three guys, you know, you, you don't know what you're getting with them. Double play turns are going to be interesting. Yeah. Looking at this team, there just aren't really weaknesses. So in order to pick one out like that pretty much is it the left side defense and Muncie and Lux is really one of the very, very few question marks on this team. Definitely. All right. Well, Bruce, thank you for joining the incline Dodgers this week. Glad to have you on. You really shared your insightful knowledge on the Dodgers prospects. So I feel smarter now and more <laughs> in tune with the pipeline. So thank you for that. And if you're watching on YouTube right now, his Twitter X handle is right there. So give him a follow He's constantly in the loop with what's going on with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Bruce, any final thoughts before we log out? Not much. I think we covered a lot in this show. Uh, thank you so much for bringing me on. Um, it's going to be a really exciting season for the Dodgers, both in the majors and in the minor leagues. So, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Best off season ever. Can't wait for the 2024 season to really kick off in South Korea. Just a couple months away. If you're listening to the Incline Dodgers podcast on the audio feed, please give us a five-star rating, like, and review, and be a subscriber. And if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. Thank you, Moose, as well for your contributions. And um, question for anyone watching after the fact for YouTube, let us know your biggest pre- your biggest prediction for the Dodgers right now in 2024. So thank you guys for watching. Incline Dodgers, we out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.